because a man can coach a women's basketball team, why would we consider a woman to coach a men's team? And why is it in our culture and society today, we still don't consider that women can lead men, but we have no problem considering that men can lead women. A leadership quality isn't pink or blue. It's the qualities of leadership. <laughs> and so we want uh, in this society for um, our young people to get a chance to have mentors and role models. Somebody pushed a really big pause button for the entire world. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Powering Up, our cross-generational podcast about leadership, power, and gender. I'm Ann Doyle, author of Powering Up, How America's Women Achievers Become Leaders. I've been on the front lines of uh, women's fight for equity for nearly five decades. And my millennial co-host and niece, Monica Doyle, will be back with us next week. And she absolutely hates that she can't be here because... uh, Today's conversation is right up her alley. Uh, As a hockey player, a fanatical fan, and a coach herself, she is all about sports. And that's our topic today, the $14 billion industry of college sports, and specifically the dramatic decline in the coaching opportunities for women. I'm sure you've heard about Title IX of the 1972 Education Act, which made it federal law uh, for U.S. schools to offer equal educational opportunities for girls. So Title IX led to an absolute explosion of girls and women playing competitive sports and destroying centuries of myths about women's physical ability. And uh, I was a TV news and then TV sports reporter in the 70s and 80s when all this was happening. So even though I had no opportunities to play organized sports while I was in school, I did have a front row seat covering the incredible cultural change as girls started playing team sports from Little League all the way up to the college. And in those first few decades, nearly all of the women's teams were coached by women. But today, even though female athletes and women's teams are flourishing, the number of women coaching college women's teams is moving backwards, and it's practically non-existent in the professional ranks. So here to talk with us about why this is a major problem is one of the most respected and successful coaches in college sports. Carol Hutch Hutchins is in her 36th season as the head coach for the University of Michigan softball program, which is one of the best in the nation. She is the winningest coach in NCAA softball history with a career record, listen to this, of 1,616 victories and never a losing season. She's led her teams to the Women's College World Series in 12 the last 25 seasons. She's won 21 Big Ten Conference titles and, of course, the NCAA National Championship in 2005. And also, of course, she's been inducted into multiple sports halls of fame. I could go on and on and on, but you get the idea. So welcome, Hutch, uh, head coach at the University of Michigan softball program. Well, hi, Ann, and thanks so much for having me this morning. Let's just start out with, uh, to give our listeners a sense of the numbers. I mean, what's the situation right now in terms of coaching opportunities for women at the college level? Well, I focus, obviously, I'm a collegiate coach, and um, but I can tell you that 
as most recent data shows, approximately 40% of college women's sports teams across the board are coached by women. So that obviously tells you that 60% of college women's teams are coached by men. Mm -hmm. And in contrast to that, approximately 99.9% of the men's teams are coached by men. And so you see a very large presence of men on women's benches across the board, all sports. You see absolutely no presence of women on men's benches. So where are all the women? I mean, we have all these incredible athletes that have been uh, filling the pipeline of, of skills and, and understanding of the game. Uh, so why are opportunities for women coaches getting worse, just as women's sports are, are more popular than ever? Well, and I, you know, you refer to Title IX, which basically um, didn't allow any federally funded institution to discriminate based on gender. It was not a sports act. It was totally an educational amendment. And so the, uh, the result of that was just a multitude of opportunities opened up for, for women in sports. And the, the courts required um, public institutions at the secondary level, at the college level, to uh, uh, provide opportunities for sports for women. And along those lines, as they flourish, and as you mentioned already, NCAA athletics is a billion-dollar business, multi-billion-dollar business, yeah. um, it became quite a feasible reality to be a career coach, to make a living coaching. And coaching is a fantastic gig. And uh, what's happened over the years is the majority of leadership opportunities at, and ever, in the world, of course, across society are held by men. Yeah. So men, of course, tend to hire people like them. And we have seen more and more of uh, sport teams for women that when uh, a coach has stepped down, coaches retire, coaches are let go, have been replaced with uh, men. I do not uh, begrudge anybody for wanting to coach, whether it's men or women. Mm -hmm. I mean, I want to coach. I have a lot of former student athletes that want to coach and do coach. Um, but I am suggesting that a lot of the leadership opportunities have gone to the men and largely because in our society men are considered the better are considered better leaders for no other reason than that's society it's just culture you know that we've been fighting this uh, women have been fighting this for hundreds of years centuries uh you know so what you're saying here is that when there was no money to be made and nobody cared about women's sports uh, there were lots of opportunities for women it was women who were doing the coaching but as soon as um you're able to make some money as a coach, the men started going after those jobs. And, of course, there's no jobs for women to coach men. Well, there are jobs for women to coach men. Women don't get looked at. Women don't get – women don't even get an interview. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and, and I – again, I, I do want to state that, you know, you can look way back when, and there certainly were some men that were coaching before it was such a, um, a great gig and a, a chance to make a living – um, there's certainly, we, it's not that only men were only opportunistic, but <laughs> I remember Bill Lambeer coaching the, the shock in their, uh, championship and first season. Absolutely. And, um, in recent history, this past year, several women going into, whether it's the NBA, right. we have had several women. I can think of three women who are now really heavily involved in major league baseball. Yeah. Um, so we see some glimpses of it, but it is definitely 
not normal. Talking about them not even being interviewed, it reminds me of you and I talked about this about 10 years ago when I was working on my book, Powering Up. You're quoted in there, and you told the amazing story about what happened at the University of Michigan when they were looking to head uh, to hire a new head men's basketball coach. Will you share that story? Well, um, yeah, we uh, we saw hired a number of uh, basketball coaches throughout my time at Michigan, as I've been there 36 years. And it came up at one point, and as I was speaking with an administrator, who said, you know, we're going to go out, we're going to get the best basketball coach out there. And this was at a time when Pat Summit was alive and well and flourishing at Tennessee. And my response, which was very genuine and sincere, was, well, are we going to interview Pat Summit? And, of course, the response was laughing, like laugh, that's laughable. We would, of course, never consider yeah. a woman. But yeah. yet we've had several male coaches coach our women's basketball team. And I don't understand what's the difference. If basketball is basketball, because yeah. a man can coach a women's basketball team, why would we consider a woman to coach a men's team? And why is it in our culture and society today, we still don't consider that women can lead men, but we have no problem considering that men can lead women. I'm sure you know the headlines and the controversy that uh, Muffet McGraw, uh, Notre Dame's uh, head women's basketball coach, uh, made about a year ago when she basically said, you know what, I'm, I'm tired of this whole deal. 99% of the coaching jobs going to men, and I'm just not going to hire myself any more men as assistant coaches. Um, what do you think about that? Do you know Muffet? And um, what was your reaction when she did that? Well, first of all, I did. I just met Muffet this past year when she was here at Michigan playing. Uh, definitely a woman I've looked up to for a long time. Very uh, fantastic coach, but, you know, a true leader. Mm-hmm. And I know she took a lot of hit. A lot of people are upset. Like, could you imagine if a man said that? Well, men don't say it. They just do it. First of all, (laughs) men don't hire women, so they don't have to say it. Um, And I think somebody of Muffet McGraw's stature, she is a leader in her profession. And Pat Summit used to say that your best players have to be your leaders. Muffet's one of our best players, and she needs to – this is an issue I'd like to see more women of that stature speak out on because it's our profession, and we are going extinct. Because we're down to 40%. We were at 60% 10 years ago or whatever. We're going the wrong direction. And if if people like myself don't take a stance, I mean, I can't expect the male ADs to do it if the women coaches don't do it themselves. And we see a lot of women leaders, head coaches of various sports teams who do, as they hire their assistants, look to hire men. And I've heard women say, I need to have a man on my staff. I've never heard a man <laughs> say, I need to have a woman on my staff. Although, yeah. John Beeline, when he went to Cleveland for hiring a woman. and uh, But in general, you see how these things don't match up. Well, and I congratulate you, Hutch, uh, for doing exactly the same thing, you know, to, to raise your voice. Because you are also a leader and, um, you know, one of the top coaches in the country. And, uh, you know, recently you were in this um, New York Times opinion video uh, that's trying to raise uh, atten- uh, raise more visibility and awareness of this issue. How did, how did that happen? Can you tell us about that? 
Well, honestly, I got an email out of the blue from somebody from the New York Times and said they understood I I had uh, I have spoken out on this issue. Mm-hmm. I've been quoted in multiple uh, uh, documents just stating that we need to take women need to take care of women. And so they wanted to know if I'd be willing to do an interview, which I didn't realize was going to be a video. <laughs> and it was all over the New York Times. But it yeah. was, again, it was along the lines of the same conversation. Uh, where have all the women gone? Why does it matter uh, for women athletes to be coached by women? Well, you know, it's, that's really, it's kind of like, why does it matter that we get to play sports? And why does it matter that we get to do anything? Because <laughs> we deserve the same opportunities in life that the men have and I come from a family of six kids three boys and three girls mm-hmm. and I always tell people my mother invented gender equity everything <laughs> we all had the same number of Christmas presents under the tree and we all got treated the same and um, I have a lot of young women over my 36 years that have played softball and are passionate and they're passionate about college athletics and they're passionate about Michigan they deserve the opportunity to do exactly what I got to do, which is to coach this game, to be involved in this game. And um, I do think it's important that as I coach youth, 18 to 22 year olds, and that they see women in strong leadership roles and they realize that they can be a strong leader as well, that leadership isn't just for one gender. A leadership quality isn't pink or blue. It's the qualities of leadership. You know, you talked about your mom. I had one of those incredible moms and an awesome father, too, which makes a big difference. But um, we'd like to, I'm sure our listeners would like to know about Hutch as a young girl. Um, Maybe your mom was obviously important there. Um, What do you remember about Hutch, the young girl, and perhaps the people or moments when you started to um, really get that fire in your belly? Well, I remember, I'm uh, not too far uh, behind you, but we didn't have a lot of opportunity to be to be a true uh, member of sports teams. I went out and played in the backyard with all my brothers and their friends and was called a tomboy. Mm-hmm. And I was a girl that liked to do boy things. And I thought, well, they, oh, I, there's something wrong with me, and I must be really weird, but I'd rather play football than what my sisters were doing. They wanted to dress me up in doubt clothes. So, <laughs> yep. I want to play with the boys, but we got to that age and there was no organized sport for me. And the boys went off to play on their organized teams and I didn't have anywhere to go. And so I got involved though in some rec softball and found myself trying out for the local women's semi-professional softball team, the Lansing Laurels. And mm-hmm. Kay Purvis was the coach, player coach, who was my first mentor and role model. Mm-hmm. And at the same time as uh, 1974, finally, the MHSAA allowed for a girls' varsity basketball high school championship. So we were finally a varsity sport my senior year in high school. And mm-hmm. I thought I had died and gone to heaven, <laughs> that I got to be on a real team with real uniforms, with a real schedule, buses yeah. to the game, and cheerleaders. And again, my coach was Ann Johnson, my high school basketball coach, who was, again, a strong woman, mm-hmm. role model. And that's when the passion to be to, to be them, because I wanted to be them. There's no question that the fact that I got to play for two strong women 
Um, and then my college basketball coach, Karen Lehman, although I had uh, a male coach my first year at Michigan State in, in basketball, and then Karen Lehman came, came along. And, um, you know, again, we need a chance to, to be something that we can see. Yeah, talking about your college years, uh, our paths sort of crossed back then, too, because I was a sports reporter for uh, CBS Detroit at the time when your team sued Michigan State University, <laughs> took them to court. And I was in the courtroom when they decided, uh, you know, that they were discriminating against you. Uh, I remember watching your team practice. There was the, the court you were playing on. You had buckets on the court to catch the drips <laughs> from the ceiling. I, I saw that. Uh, what was that about in terms of the tremendous difference between what your experience was in college versus the men's team at your university that prompted all of you to take a very courageous step to, to sue your own university? Well, honestly, um, I, uh, I went to high school at Lansing Everett, and Magic Johnson's a couple years behind me. So ah. I went off to Michigan State, and then Magic went off to Michigan State, and I can tell you that our careers were absolutely not parallel <laughs> at all. And um, um, really, I was a, a senior on that team. I was the captain, which is how one of the reasons I was involved in it. And that uh, lawsuit was really driven by a couple of um, Kathy DeBoer and yeah. Marion Mankowski Cookie, who had um, were no longer on the team. And they were the ones who had the political notion of, you know, we're tired of this. You know, we're practicing in the IM building. And, of course, the men have full access to Jenison Fieldhouse. The men travel on charter buses and charter planes. And we get in station wagons. And Karen Langland and her assistant coaches drive us to our games at, at other states in the middle of snowstorms. I mean, we literally were driving back from Purdue after an evening game. And I was sound asleep in the back of the station wagon, and we woke up in a tailspin and had slid off the road. Yeah. And just missed hitting a huge pole. Yeah. So I remember. I know, think you were sleeping times. two to a bed, four to a room. Isn't that right? And we had definitely our per diem daily was uh, a half of what the men got. They'd stick four of us in a room, expect us to then have to perform the next day. And so we had a really astute lawyer, but both Cookie and Kathy DeBoer found here in Ann Arbor. Gene King. And we all drove down. I came with them to meet Gene King, <laughs> who had filed the first ever Title IX lawsuit yep. at Huron High School. And she was amazing, although when I met her, I thought she didn't know anything about basketball. She asked the funniest questions. <laughs> she didn't but need to. She knew, she knew about the courtroom. She knew about the courtroom and, and the law. She really, she narrowed it down to the, the three huge disparities, which were, of course, travel and per diem and um, accommodations um, as far as facilities to practice in. Because the IM building, as you're right, had warp floors yep. and had we had put buckets out for the drips in the ceiling. We had the locker room we shared with the rest of the intramural crowd. So we'd be in our locker room and our coach would be addressing us and somebody would be over there. The women that were playing paddleball were coming in and talking <laughs> and getting changed. And um, a huge disparity. And yeah. it was just black and white for the courtroom. And I tell people, we went to trial. I did not testify, but several of my teammates did. And the judge up there, Noel Fox, he, he slammed his gavel within an hour and filed an injunction against Michigan State. And it was it was national news. To this day, people call me and say, you know, they built a brand new baseball field and they gave us a new, you know, backstop. 
and uh, you know the boys get this and we don't get anything and I don't know I'm not sure what to do and you know nobody wants to run around and file lawsuits all the time it can be that you find people retaliate against whether even though it's right. against the law to retaliate it happens all the time but the bottom line is unless you fight the fight and we've all had to fight the fight there were people before me fighting the fight the people that got us in position to get a chance to have sport teams fought and many people lost their jobs over it so um, the laws only work if you use it the one other thing I want to get into um, and then we want to hear about your team because you're in your 36th season now um, is the whole issue about um, you know, women getting emotional. I mean, we get a, a, accused of that everywhere, but there's all kinds of emotion in sports. And um, I believe there's a dramatic difference still in terms of um, how men are allowed to behave in terms of um, coaching their athletes versus women. Women are definitely in society held to different standards. When you look at some of the politicians that have been out there, um, you look at female leadership, across the board and coaches are certainly leaders but um in our profession there's nobody should be abusive to their student athletes we are professionals and we should all act professionally but we have some pretty high intense uh, moments in games in practices and the one thing that we're all doing and i tell people all the time i do the same thing jim harbaugh does I take a group of people and try to get them to buy into a collective mission and work together to function as a, as a unit and keeping everybody, you know, in those parameters, you, you push them out of their comfort zone because kids come in and when they come in from high school, they're not, they, they're not ready to play college ball yet. They have to go to a new level and they have to get out of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And it's during those times when their discomfort is high, when they're like, man, this coach is me. This coach hates me, and, you know, that coach is emotional. And I'm not at all saying that anybody should be out of line with our student-athletes. We need to treat them humanely. Uh, We all love our student-athletes, but sometimes tough love is the way that we have to go. But um, we are seeing uh, more and more youth today who, if they don't like the way something is, they speak out against it, they have their own opinions, and – that, again, we see um, a lot more women who are accused of abuse or allegedly mistreating their athletes when, in fact, all they're doing is the same thing the football coaches are doing, which is pushing them to be great. At this point in our conversation, I asked Coach Carol Hutchins about her team this year, whose season had already begun. But then suddenly everything changed because just a few weeks after recording our conversation, The COVID-19 pandemic brought the world and Hutch's University of Michigan softball season to a screeching halt. So we checked back in with her. Several weeks before this devastating pandemic suddenly changed everyone's lives, uh, you were in the studio with Monica and me talking about your upcoming 2020 softball season and the state of women's sports. And oh boy, that seems like a lifetime ago. Your 2020 softball season has ended Let's go back for a minute to how you felt when you finally knew that um, the season was going to be canceled and and how you walked out to tell your players. I had a few moments to prepare for what I knew was about to happen. But I, as I've told many people, there's nothing that can prepare you for walking back out and putting those kids in the dugout to tell them. Um, 
that is without a doubt the worst uh, day of my coaching career. Our role is to help do our part, and our part was to not allow, uh, not play anymore. That was the seniors' uh, probably shining moment is they gave up their season to help save lives. How many lives did they save by not having games? I bet they saved a few. What are you personally learning from this devastating <laughs> crisis? <sighs> I've been asked that a few times, and <laughs> I, I feel that um, we're all meant to, that somebody, somebody pushed a really big pause button for the entire world. Yeah. The world has been, I've, I, we often sit back and say, it's crazy out there. It's just been crazy. And we all go 24 hours, 24 seven. And I think we're meant to learn that we, we're, uh, our priorities and values are uh, a little out of whack. And even, you know, I'm in college athletics, power five, we're paid to win, but we've got to, um, we got to settle in and recognize what we're, should be about. And I feel like when we finally figure it out as a, as a community and as, as a nation and obviously the, the world, eh, I think the pause button will let up a little bit. That's, that's kind of where I, my take is it's uh, this is so uh, a time to really reflect on what is important in life and just winning games or just making money and you know, your family mm -hmm. and uh, we're, we're too organized. We're too structured and we're too driven to, just be perfect at what we do and kids just need to play and my advice to people with their young kids what should we be doing with them Let's put them on the yard and play play whatever they want to play make a game out of something that's what that's what makes kids great athletes ultimately well thank you carol hutch hutchins legendary uh softball coach uh, hall of fame coach and and thank you so much for um you know continuing to raise your voice about this important issue uh, that the next frontier in sports is clearly uh, opportunities for women coaching, uh, both women and men. Uh, you know, men can learn a lot from women coaches as well. So thank you, Hutch. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank again, thanks for having me. And thanks for joining us at Powering Up, everyone. We hope you'll subscribe and share us with your network. And Monica and I would love to hear from you through the Powering Up Women Facebook page or at Ann Doyle LDR on Twitter. I'm Ann Doyle, and remember, power is the currency for getting things done. Claim yours and put it to work. <laughs>